So, John, what is the most perfect thing you've ever done? The most perfect thing I have ever done? This podcast, obviously. <laughs> Flawless. Not a foot wrong. Three years, not a foot wrong. Never, never had a dud episode. Not a single dud. Everyone a 10 out of 10 winner for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Only, sure. On, only on my side, of course. <laughs> not, not, not whatever you're doing, but in terms of what I'm bringing to the table, solid goal perfection week after week. Doesn't sound like a perfect podcast then if uh, your co-host isn't doing very well. If you were doing a perfect job, John, then maybe you'd, uh, I don't know, keep your co-host in check a little bit. So mm, maybe that's not a good idea. Look, there's only so much I can do. You know, perfection doesn't isn't real. <laughs> well, we can all aim towards it. Some films are fine, just the way they are. Other films sometimes take it way too far. But really, how, how, how could it get? Let's go beyond. Beyond the box set. Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are picturing prequels, sequels and spin-offs to Netflix's The Perfection. We'll also be picturing some drinking games and hearing from our listeners with the submissions they've posted on Facebook and Twitter. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments and give a bit of a plot summary. I am Harry, the host with the most musical skill. Again, it's it's unarguable. You mean you, you do have that trumpet? Trombone? Trombone. Tuba? And joining me as always... The co-host who, even if he tried to play three blind mice on the recorder, would probably make a noise as though he's actually blinding three blind mice. I'll have you know I was an expert at three blind mice. <laughs> I genuinely gave a recorder recitals when I was like eight years old, and that was a big part of my repertoire. Wow, wow, okay. That and Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, packing out the concert halls. Yeah, yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure it was great. Well, do you, do you have your recorder handy? Could you give us a little, uh, little once-through of Hawk Response? Oh, I've retired now. Ah, okay, okay, cool. With dignity, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> Left at the top, like all good things. You know, you want to leave the people once in more. Sure. Anyway, well, it's John Lucas. Hello, John. Hello. So, what, what, what did you think? The perfection? So, I very nearly... This is the closest I've ever come, I think, to switching it off. Switching a film off before the end. Wow. <laughs> like, there was a point about... 25 30 minutes in when I was, I was literally prepared to text you and be like harry i just i literally cannot watch this anymore mm-hmm. um but i'm glad i stuck with it because then things took a turn and then i really <laughs> liked it but yeah it took a while to get there but i thought it was going to be one thing and i was not enjoying that thing at all and then it became something else and well, then what, got... what, what did you think it was going to be well it wasn't what it, I thought it was going to be. It's what is what it was for the first twenty five minutes because this movie like shifts a lot and changes. It really mm. changes what it is a few times in the film. I really don't like. How do I describe this? There's something about the scene where they're on the bus and she gets sick mm. that I just found almost unwatchable. Unwatchable. Yeah, there's something about. I think it's just like a real phobia of mine. The idea of being like in a foreign country mm. on a bus on public transport like this just get just the idea of getting sick on public transport mm, yeah. but then also ramping it up to like the extent of illness that she suffers in this film mm-hmm. and also being in the middle of nowhere in a country where no one speaks your language mm-hmm. it just really stressed me out and i was like i just don't have the emotional bandwidth to deal with this today and i can't <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna have to veto this and we have to watch something else 
But yeah. I stuck through, and just to the point when I was like, no, I can't, it went somewhere else. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but it was close. It was really close to the Y. But after that, I really liked it. This film was very silly. Yeah, because you're right. It was, it was a bit dry for the first maybe 25 minutes. Like, there was mm-hmm. there was stuff going on, but not really anything. Well, I mean, there were no. I would I wouldn't say it was boring. It was just upsetting. I was kind of like, are you kidding? After what happened with Room, you give me another deeply upset. And also because you know coronavirus, you make mm. him watch this film where this woman gets horribly ill and like vomits herself to death. I was like, are you joking? <laughs> Why are you putting me through this? Like, <laughs> was it I worth really it? thought it was like a sick joke on your behalf. Like, was it worth it? No, in the end, it was. It really was. But I really, I was quite mad at you for a good twenty minutes until it got. Good again. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to get into the plot summary um, well, now before we talk about it anymore. Uh, listeners, this is a, a film. It's on Netflix. It's made by Netflix, so it's probably on Netflix everywhere, I imagine. And... Uh... Well, where to begin? Okay, so, well, this film is told a little bit out of time, isn't it? It's It drops about a little bit. There's yeah. a few it... flashbacks and stuff like that. It's not quite a linear story, but I'm going to tell it as linearly as I can, I think. Sure, go ahead. So it starts off, we meet this uh, this woman called Charlotte, I believe her name is, mm-hmm. who most people Wait. will recognise this actress as the girlfriend in Get Out. Alison Williams, yes. Yeah. Um, has she been in much else? She was in that TV show Girls. Did you ever watch that show? No. No, never did I. But uh, that's what she's most... Well, before Get Out, that's what she was most known for, I would say. Sure. Sure. Yeah, so in the past, she was a cellist at this super prestigious music school. Mm-hmm. And so she was like the best cellist in the world or something like that. Sure. Like a young prodigy. Yeah. And uh, she left that school to go and look after her mum, which is not a plot point. It's just a reason. You know, it's just an excuse. Yeah, well, it. it opens with her kind of sat in the same room as her mother's corpse, it seems. Yeah, I think so. Like, And she's kind of sat there and there's two people very loudly talking she's clearly in earshot like mm. just again it's the classic exposition dump where they're like yeah. what's she gonna do <laughs> all she can do is play the cello and that was 10 years ago what's she gonna do now <laughs> <laughs> i mean the main plot kind of kicks off when she goes to this what is it like a music conference or something something like that like a fundraiser maybe or like a, an event yeah she goes to shanghai mm. to meet up with her old mentor a guy called anton yeah Oh, it's an event to choose the new pupil at this very exclusive conservatory that he's running. Like, mm. she's one of the two judges um, of this competition uh, that's it, yes. for these young cellists or young musicians. And mm. it's in Shanghai, China, and there are three little girls who are probably about, maybe look, look to be about 11 or 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And one of them will win a place on the school. She's one judge, and the other judge is Anton's latest prodigy the one who kind of took over from her mm. who is a woman called lizzie mm-hmm. and when they meet they're both starstruck by each other yes um which i found i quite enjoyed really i found it a little bit funny well did you assume this was going to be a stalker movie yeah i think so yeah because alison williams i mean talk about typecasting yourself for life after get out right? <laughs> <laughs> she, she arrives in shanghai and she sees this giant billboard of lizzie like just in the streets of shanghai so obviously lizzie's a very famous cellist she's like yeah. this universe's vanessa may or something i guess <laughs> and she walks into this fancy do and she's got like this very elaborate dress on she's got the the smoky eye of 
of, of emotional doom. Like she, she clearly, <laughs> she she's clearly going to stalk her. That's that was really where I thought it was going to go. Anyway, yes, the sparks begin to fly between them. Yeah, like instantly. And there's a there's a scene where they're they're judging um, some musical something. They're talking over it, and uh, oh, then they just have a, a proper just a gossip session. Just like, did you know that that guy is actually not he's sleeping with his wife? He's sleeping with that other student's mother. Look, see, they're, they're holding hands. It's like the fanciest meet cute ever. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it's a meet cute at a ridiculously expensive fundraiser for classical music. Like. Yeah, and uh, they hit it off very quickly. I don't think there's much point in lingering on here. Uh, they get together that night. They have sex, yes. And then the following day or a few days later, I don't know, um, they get on a bus and go away. Is that- yes, they have this kind of whirlwind romance in mm. Shanghai. They're, in, they're both you know, away from home. They're both in Shanghai in China. Uh, and it turns out that they... I think, was it Lizzie was going to go on this trip and Charlotte decides to come along or she invites Charlotte along? Anyway, so they wake up in a hotel room together... Uh, Lizzie's quite hungover, so Charlotte gives her some ibuprofen and some booze, like some hair of the dog kind of thing. Mm, yeah. And then Lizzie goes to a restaurant and has some food, and then they get on a bus that's like one of the, a long, slow bus to somewhere else in China. Yeah, and kind of in the background, I think we've seen like a news report or something saying that there is um, there's like a virus breaking out in in southern China. Yeah. Well, it was yeah in Wuhan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they literally said it's in Wuhan. I was like, Harry, what have you given me here? <laughs> yeah, because a guy vomits uh, at the fundraiser. That's where they first see it. This guy. Oh vom- yes, it is, isn't it? It yeah. looks like he's vomited up like an egg yolk, though. It's just like a full egg yolk pops out of his mouth. It's not yeah, like classic much. movie vomit at all. It's weird. But yeah, I was like, we've already done Contagion and Outbreak Man again, really. Like, at mm. this point, I was like, I- I'm not in the mood for this at all. I mean, by the way, I watched this film. I think I think we just we just searched for horror on Netflix. This one came up like, oh, it's What's a Face from Get Out? And we just watched it. We didn't know anything about it. I sure, didn't even sure, remember sure. what it was called going into it. When I got to about this point when I was on the on the verge of giving up, I was like, why did you choose to watch this? Like, what enjoyment were you getting out of this bleak mm. horror fest? But then I yeah. understood. That, but I don't know how you stuck with, I, I don't know how you stuck with it without like needing to watch a podcast afterwards. It's okay. Okay, Lizzie, we're going to stop, I promise. Stop! You have to pull over! I know, I know you don't. We're going to stop. Okay, we're going to stop. Sir, stop the fucking bus! I know, honey, I know. Lizzie, we're going to stop. I know. Hey, hey, lower the fucking bus! Do it! And so they get on the bus, and yeah, they, they do this long journey, but Lizzie is getting sicker and sicker, and she's sweating, and she's passing out, falling asleep, she's super thirsty, it gets worse and worse and worse. I really cannot express enough how much I hated this part of the film. <laughs> Not that it was badly made in any way, just that it was so, like, triggering, I just hated it, it was, it, it just, I was watching it, like, under my sheets at certain points, like. <laughs> Fair enough. And the bus driver is being very mean to them. Like they're asking him to pull over so that. I mean, you say that they're too well, American. Can you imagine? Yeah, true. His, but his perspective. Yeah, it doesn't really matter if they're foreign. One of them is clearly having a very bad time and is about to throw up. Do you want somebody to throw up on your bus, or do you want them to stop for a minute and so there isn't vomit all over your bus? When which you know you're presumably hours away from your destination on what is clearly a very hot day. No, 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 no. I get that completely. I was just, I was just like, 
at this point, I was just kind of annoyed at them for getting on the bus in the first place. I was like, you don't get on a cross-country bus when you're sick. Just don't do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, true. Rookie, rookie traveling error. You just don't. Yeah. You just do not do that. Yeah, so after Lizzie throws up, Charlotte looks at it and says, oh my God, it's full of bugs. Mm. And it's it's crazy. Like, at this point, I'm quite confused as to what I'm expecting. Because now it's like kind of a virus thing, but very sort of supernatural. Yeah, I was like, how have we, this is this is really like 25 minutes into the film. I was like, how have we got another hour left? This girl has minutes to live shortly. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, oh, maybe this film's going to be, she's going to die. And then Charlotte's going to have to make her way back from the wilderness or something. Yeah. yeah That's where I like thought that. it was going to go. Mm. While also being infected or something like that. Possibly, yes. Like, she'll meet yeah. some other characters, presumably. Yeah. But yeah, so eventually the bus driver does stop and lets them off. And in fact, I think he kicks them off basically he does he kicks them off well she vomits she, to be fair she vomits all over his bus yeah. and possibly shits herself in it as well oh yeah yeah so you know yeah <laughs> and I agree this wasn't easy to watch none of this was easy to watch but no. yeah so they get off the bus drives off leaves them in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. we're panicking because we're like oh my god they're now stuck in the middle of nowhere one of them is dying they have very little water with them and like no language or anything what are they going to do mm. and she's and vomiting things start bugs. getting worse for for Lizzie, like, she throws up again on the floor and we see, like, lots of spiders or something, like, all just running about in her vomit and running off, and it's horrific. Yeah. Um, and then she holds out her, her right arm and there's, like, bugs just, like, crawling under her skin and breaking out of her skin and it's all in her so hand much. and everything. And it's just, like, at the peak of, like, what is this? This is insane. And then it just takes it to a whole nother level and I, I hope that you laughed out loud. Oh, you mean when, yeah, when Alison Williams pulls out a meat cleaver? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> so that, all the I bugs are from... just in Lizzie's hand, and then Charlotte pulls out this meat cleaver and just says, you know what you need to do. Hands her the cleaver, and Lizzie just puts her hand down on a rock, and just, the camera cuts away just before the thing goes through her wrist. And uh, then I think we go to a flash forward, I'm not sure. Well, the film rewinds. Does it rewind? Oh, okay, sure. Oh, yeah. I forget. But, yeah, I don't think I've ever yo-yoed so much from... Because I was right on the edge. Because mm. that's the other thing. I, I have a real phobia of like the whole bugs under the skin thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, when people start scratching at their skin and it's like yeah. peeling it off. And I, was, I, I couldn't literally... When she was scratching at her forearms, I literally couldn't look at it. Because I thought, oh, she's going to scrape it off. And oh, now... Mm. I was I was like, no, no, no. I just literally... I think that's when I'd like had a half a text. Like, Harry, I'm sorry. I just can't with this film. Um, <laughs> and then just at the point when I was ready to like exit, mm. Alison Williams pulls out a meat cleaver. And I was like, okay, boom, back in. 100% back in. This film's taking a turn. <laughs> it's such a great twist, isn't it? Because like It is. Because also, it doesn't tell you anything as to what's just happened. No. Like, you're, you're not any wiser at all. You just know that, like, oh my god, something is up. It shifts Something is tone. not quite okay, and we have not been told what. Yeah, because... All the all the stuff with the hair getting sick on the bus is played so straight. So it mm. really tear it really makes the whole tone of the film change when suddenly she pulls out that meat cleaver. Yeah, it really wrong foot you in a way that I really really appreciated. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I very glad that that advice and did not read the plot summary of this film at all before going in. Like I knew <laughs> absolutely nothing. So <laughs> yeah, I told you this would be a good one to go in blind. Yeah, and you were right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think maybe I should have said like. Hold on, the first half hour is a bit iffy, but like you will like this. No, 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 no. I think because I was so close to bailing on it, it made it all the more enjoyable when it when it suddenly <laughs> redeemed itself so wonderfully and so quickly. Great, great. What's happening? Oh my god! Your arm. There's something crawling inside of it. 
What is it? I don't know. What's happening? I don't fucking know. They're fucking alive. They're fucking alive. They're fucking alive. They're fucking alive. They're fucking bad. Mom. What the fuck? What the fuck is inside of you? They're in your hands. You have to get them out, Lizzie. Lizzie, you have to stop it. It's inside of you. You have to stop it. What is inside of you? Okay, so where does it go from there then? Uh, you, you said it was a, a flashback? Is that not where it rewinds literally in the style of a VHS rewinding with the little squiggle oh, on yeah, the yeah. screen? <laughs> uh, and then it plays back and it shows you what really happened. In sense, it shows you that Alison Williams was tricking her the whole time. Oh, it, it right away tells you. Okay, it does yeah. tell you that right away, yes. Yeah. But yeah, so it turns out that, uh, that Charlotte has drugged Lizzie for whatever reason. Uh, so that, well, the reason is clear because she's kind of usurped her, and she's jealous. Well, they, they, they don't really give a reason right right there, and they, I think they kind of leave you guessing. Yeah, well, you're given and, to to I think you're given to assume that it's because now that she's come back from this ten years of looking after her sick mother, she wants to regain her place at the top of the heap in the whole, yeah. in this fiercely competitive world of cellists. Yeah, um, <laughs> but. <laughs> Sure. And yeah, so she has to sabotage her closest rival. I think that's what we're made to assume. Obviously, as the film teaches us later, there's more going on, but that's what I assumed at this point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Lizzo has been drugged so that she's... Lizzo? <laughs> that's a different movie. Um, Lizzie has been drugged so that she's hallucinating and, and like, the, the throwing up was real, but like there weren't bugs in it or anything. Yeah, it's... And, 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 and you then see that everything that we saw that looked out of place, Charlotte had actually said, like... Oh my god, there's bugs in it. There weren't any bugs in it. Oh my god, they're all over your arm. They're in your hand. I mean, as evil schemes go, it's quite a long walk. <laughs> it, is, it is, isn't it? It depends on a lot of things going right for her. It's like, mm. But yeah, I loved it. Like She does it all through the power of suggestion. She just mm-hmm. says... Because I mean, anyone who's been around people who have taken hallucinogenic drugs, that is... You, know, you are very susceptible to what people might say and especially yeah. stuff like bugs and stuff and like things that yeah I, th- I thought it was so devilish and I was like oh my god Alison Williams is playing the devil again and I'm loving it yeah. like <laughs> I could just watch endless movies of Alison Williams being an evil manipulative like gaslighter mm-hmm. yeah she has found her niche in Hollywood yeah well although now the only thing is no one's I'm never going to trust her in a film again now like there's just no way <laughs> She can't just play a nice lady now, you know? Yeah, but won't you be excited to watch her in anything? Oh, sure, yeah, absolutely. Like, oh my God, what's she going to do next? Mm. Oh, totally, yeah. She, she could. Because, yeah, I guess that is two films now where she's had, like, a big, you know, sort of a big change of pace yeah. while picking up an object. Like, and get out, it was the car keys. Yeah, exactly. And this is a meat cleaver. <laughs> what's it going to be next time? Like, a bazooka? <laughs> Probably, yeah. I look forward to it. Okay, well, that, that, that was the flashback, and then where does it go? I, I really don't remember. So, yeah, so what happened was Charlotte drugged Lizzie, used the power of suggestions to make her think she was vomiting up bugs, and manipulated her into chopping off her own hand, and mm-hmm. then left her for dead in the Chinese wilderness. Like, she mm. tied up her stump, where her, her hand used to be, with a tourniquet, and then left her for dead. Mm. So then we come back to Lizzie. She's been rescued by someone. I guess the 
Chinese bus passengers sent an ambulance or something. Mm. But her hand could not be saved, so she's lost her hand. Obviously, that means as a cellist, her career is over. Yeah. So she goes back to the conservatory and is taken in by Anton and Paloma, who are the couple who run the conservatory, mm-hmm. who are kind of her mentors. So they take her in and she explains that Charlotte did it to her and they were like, but why would she do that? And then one of the many lines that made me laugh out loud in the movie, Lizzie just goes, because she's a jealous bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, as jealous bitch moves go, that's extreme. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so Charlie's now like gone. She's in the wind. She's disappeared. She's managed to escape. And Lizzie wants to stay at the conservatory, but Anton and Paloma, after a day or so, just they kick her out. They sit her down and they say, look, we're not running a charity here. I'm sorry this has happened to you. Your career's over. Bye-bye, bitch. Mm-hmm. So she, and she's pleading with them to to take pity on her and to let her stay. And she said, she'll be a teacher, she'll be a cleaner, whatever. Just please don't kick me out. You're the only family I know. I guess she's an orphan. Yeah. There's I no think. mention of her having a family. Also, yeah. she's seemingly very famous. Yeah. She has billboards. Wouldn't this be a huge news story? Like, yeah, it would. International classical music sensation has hand chopped off in desert and left for dead. Like that would be story of the century. It doesn't seem like anyone cares. No. <laughs> Can you imagine if that did happen to like Vanessa May or you know uh, what's her face, Catherine Jenkins or something? Like mm. madness. But anyway, yeah. So she is. Um, she's cast out. And so she somehow tracks down Charlotte, who's living in this very fancy house in the suburbs that I don't know how she's affording. In the middle of the night, classic horror movie scene, she kind of creeps up behind her and tasers her. Mm-hmm. So Lizzie tasers Charlie, Charlie collapses, Lizzie gives her a good old kick in, throws her in the boot of the car, drives back up to Anton, Anton's like, Lizzie, I told you to leave. And she's like, well, I've got something you want. And he's like, what? And she goes, the bitch. <laughs> There were some wonderful line readings in this film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there were. Lizzie. What are you doing here? You're going to freeze to death. Look, I know this is hard, but I, I thought I made myself clear. You just can't be here. Because I had nothing you wanted. Now I do. What are you talking about? What do you have? I have the bitch. So then we cut to Charlotte wakes up on the sofa in the conservatory. Lizzie's nowhere to be seen, but Anton is sitting on the sofa with with her. And Charlotte's like, Lizzie's crazy. And (laughs) Anton's like, well, so are you. You cut off her hand. (laughs) (laughs) Which, fair. Mm -hmm. But then Charlotte reveals that she didn't do that out of jealousy. She did it to save Lizzie. Yeah. And then we get the next big reveal, which is that the conservatory is a big old sex dungeon. Mm-hmm. That's it's a rough one that. This is yeah, I mean the film is very trashy. Like the make no mistake, this is a B movie through and through. Oh yeah. And it does it does have some very exploitative bits to it, and this bit in particular is very um yeah, there's lots of like rape as a plot point. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that all of the little girls who go to this conservatory, mm-hmm. whenever they play a bad note as part of his like intensive training regimen whenever any of the girls mess up a note or a concert or whatever or if they're not working hard enough mm-hmm. anton's response is to rape them it seems yeah and so charlotte has decided that the only way to rescue lizzie from a life of rape and brainwashing in this conservatory is to chop off her hand i mean it's an extreme way but 
it is also a surefire way to end her career, which does end that part of her life. Well, yes. I think... And to be fair, Lizzie is thankful later in the film. Which stretched credulity to me a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) But sure, let's just go with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, is, uh, Is Charlotte tied up at this point? She is on the sofa, and then she explains what her real plan was and then she kind of accuses Anton of being a rapist and a, mm. like a monster and then Anton like chases her down into the basement punches her in the face and then yes she ends up tied up to a chair in the concert room mm-hmm. the concert room that has been established has perfect the uh, best sound in the, the best sounding room in the world the best acoustic. yes what's that word the, it's, got, it's got perfect acoustics acoustics it's got perfect acoustics yes yeah you could record a mean podcast in that room I'm sure we could, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so she's tied up there, and it, um, isn't, isn't he trying to get her to perform like this really intense cello piece? Yeah, it's it's like his final act of torture. He's, he he gives her a cello, and he says, and, and by this point, Lizzie's back in the concert hall as well, mm. and Paloma, the wife, and yeah, Anton says, "You've got to play this piece perfectly. If you can do it, I'll let you go. But if you don't," I'm going to rape the newest little girl, this little Chinese girl. Uh, I think she's called Zhang, Yi, Zhang Li or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's like, do it right or, or Zhang Li is, is next one up to get raped. Yeah. Um, again, pretty nasty, you know. Yeah. Not much fun. But that, I mean, those... the evil villain is evil. Yeah, sure. But those are the stakes that we're, we're given here. It's yeah. a perfect concert or child rape. Great. <laughs> so she plays the concerto... She does make some mistakes because she's very nervous and she hasn't played mm-hmm. in a long time. And then he explains that he was bluffing. He sends Zhang Li back upstairs safely, mm-hmm. as far as we can tell. Uh, but now she is going to be killed, it seems. So then she's tied up. Her ankles are chained up. She's tied up on this chair. Like she's stretched kind of like on a rack. Like mm-hmm. They're like pulling her arms. Yep. He brings. He calls up the t- these two, like the poshest heavies I've ever seen in this kind of movie <laughs> ever. It was like a Simpsons parody. It was like, he like snaps his finger and goes, Godfrey, Tice! And these two like suited white, (laughs) middle-aged white guys stand up. Like, Godfrey and Tice. Yeah. I think this is the point where the film nearly hits a whole other level of ridiculousness. Oh, yes. When when Lizzie comes up and Godfrey and Tice or whoever they are, I think they're they're holding Charlotte down. Yes. And uh, Lizzie comes up and just like, unwraps the the stump of her hand yes just sort of that's there and exposed and then just puts it up charlotte's dress slowly yes, she's and I, I was like the stump yeah yeah i was like oh my god what on earth is about to happen this is insane mm-hmm. and uh i was again, wavering again at uh, this point pardon i was wavering again at this point i was like i've come i've come this far movie but yeah me if too it goes where it's threatening to go i might be out again like yeah <laughs> yeah and then they pull another twist which is not the biggest twist in the world but it's that lizzie is actually in on it with charlotte yes so the two tyson godfrey start choking they collapse it turns out they've been poisoned yeah and which then... a very 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 great timing very convenient timing oh yeah this like precision timed poison is only ever found in movies <laughs> yeah but yeah so they choke and die uh, Lizzie kisses Charlotte to reveal that they are both in it. We get a rewind, mm-hmm. re-rewind. At this point, Anton and Paloma have gone upstairs, so they're not in the room. Uh, yeah. But then we get a rewind, and, it, and we see a, a scene we didn't see before, which was that <laughs> Charlotte 
in the desert explained to Lizzie exactly why she'd had to make her shop off her own hand mm. like, after it had happened. But she's like, yeah. look, you wouldn't have believed me. To which my answer would be, you could have tried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could have tried just telling me, but sure. But anyway, she's like, look, I chopped your hand off to save you and I will save you again. Uh, and so then when Lizzie tracks Charlotte down, we see them have this whole tearful conversation. Charlotte apologises for making Lizzie cut her hand off. Mm-hmm. And Lizzie says, well, you were right. He doesn't care about me. The fact that he kicked me out of the conservatory after my hand was gone proves that Anton never cared. Mm-hmm. So let's get our revenge. And then the two ladies team up and then we got cut back to the presents and they uh, go on a bit of a rampage through the old conservatory. They have, they have a, they have a knife fight with Anton. They do. Um, which I found very intense. Like it's very inj- graphic. The injury that Charlotte takes. Yeah. That's that hard was, to watch. That was very difficult to watch. Yeah. So listeners, if you've not actually seen it, she gets stabbed in the, uh, is it, is it the forearm? The bit yeah, between like, your elbow like and wrist. It's like it seems like it goes through the two arms that connect you. Yeah, the bit the, the bit where you've got two bones in your arm, and the knife goes like right in the middle, up by her elbow, and the guy just brings it forward all the way to her wrist. Like, literally just cuts her arm in two down the middle. Yeah, Because the plot needed her to lose her arm as well. Obviously, yeah. that's why it's that <laughs> So that was, that was her left arm that went, and uh, earlier Lizzie lost her, her right hand. Yeah. Um, and that does now become important because they win the knife fight. I forget exactly what they do, but then it cuts to... Oh, they to... totally... Um, yeah. Well, they, they they stab his wife, Paloma, first. Like he, Oh, she's... yeah, I forgot about her. I mean, she doesn't really do much in the movie. She's kind of a background, but she kind of staggers in and she pisses herself for some reason, and mm. then she just falls down dead. And another great Lizzie line. Lizzie had all the best lines. She said, we drugged her up so much she didn't even notice when we stabbed her in the back. <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> So she's dead, yeah, and then they have this whole knife fight, ends up, yeah, Lizzie gets her arm cleaving in two, mm-hmm. and Anton is ultimately incapacitated, yes. Yeah, and then not we... Not killed, uh, we find out. And then we cut to a really, it's a really unsettling shot, but it's also the best shot in the film, which is of the two of them with two hands between them, um, <laughs> playing the same cello. So, so we've got we got we got Lizzie doing the the fingering up at the top, and uh, Charlie use, using the bow. It's great. It's like a scene out of American Horror Story. It, it really is so it? hard. Yeah. Yeah. It just looks it look it looks like they're sewn together at the hips. Yeah. Exactly. It's weird, and they're playing just to Anton in his fancy room. They're playing just to him, and he's sitting down, clearly drugged out of his mind, and he has had both his arms and both his legs amputated. Also, his eyes and mouth have been sewn shut. And I think they oh, might okay. have chopped his balls off as well. Yeah, There's I assume much they did, but they didn't actually show that. No, but it it seemed like his... I went back and checked because they did mention it. Um, no, okay. they, they said, we're going to cut your balls off. So I did look and, uh, I mean, just you know, just quickly rewound a bit. And yeah, it did seem like there wasn't much there. So yeah, I think they had... Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it's quite intense really, isn't it? it? It is quite a memorable closing shot, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of iconic, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's and the end the of the film, roll. is it? Yeah. That is the, yeah, the credits roll on that memorable shot, yeah. Yeah. God, it's mad. That, this, this was quite, quite a journey, this film. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? They found me on the side of a mountain. Drugged out of my mouth. Covered in blood. With nothing but a homemade tourniquet keeping me alive. The police tried to help me, but I'm the one who took the pills. I'm the one who 
shot my own hand up. Once I woke up in the hospital and once the drugs were out of my system and I could think clearly again, Charlotte was already out of the country. I still can't understand why. Why would she do this? Because, because she's a jealous fucking bitch. Okay, do you want to move on to drinking games then? Okay, yeah, so first drinking game I've got, um, mm-hmm. Drink for a Twist. Drink for a Twist? Yeah, I mean, it's a very twisty movie. Yeah. I mean, how would you define a twist? Um, well, I'd say, obviously, the meat cleaver, mm-hmm. Lizzie being in on it as well. Yeah, that's a good one, yeah. That, that, that is a pretty big one. To be honest, it, I think it might just be those two, to be honest. I would say maybe combine it with my first one, which is Drink for the Rewinds. Because they yeah. are like the twist. It's like, aha, you, it's like the misdirect. It's like, you thought it was this, but then, aha, we rewind and show you what you didn't see. Yeah. So, yeah, drink drink every time the movie like pulls a rug out from under you and it's like reveals a, a hidden plot twist. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Very, very good. Uh, I had drink every time Alison Williams changes her hair. <laughs> this, this is definitely a wig watch kind of movie. Yeah. She has a few quite unflattering hairstyles throughout this movie. I think she changes like three or four times my favorite was you know the more i think about it the less it makes sense actually so for for a lot of the movies she has this kind of weird slightly ratty hairstyle that's like like a little bit too long and a little bit too short at the same time like it's just Mm. neither here nor there i I guess it's to imply that she's a little bit troubled or whatever but she's got that kind of hair for the whole movie then when she gets kidnapped and taken to the conservatory Anton punches her in the face, knocks her out, mm-hmm. and she goes flying down some stairs. When she wakes up, she's had a full hairdo. Yeah, like he, someone has fully crimped it and yeah, made it yeah. all really glamorous. And like she's, she's in like a red evening gown. It's like a proper concert mm-hmm. thing, right? Mm-hmm. So my first thought was like, that seems like a lot of effort just to torture her. But okay, whatever. <laughs> the classy people, we'll go with it. He's looking then for at perfection, the perfection, John. It is the perfection. I guess that's the case. Yeah. Also, punched square in the face. Not a mark on her. But makeup, John. Makeup. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they put a lot of makeup on it. But then at the end of this sequence, when they have the knife fight with Anton, mm. she does a proper wig reveal where she pulls that hair off mm. and reveals that she's actually got a pixie cut. Basically, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's to imply that she's had so many mental health problems because of all the abuse she suffered i think that mm. she ended up being committed for a while or something because you get these shots of her like having electroshock therapy having her hair oh yeah, like, yeah fully shaved off and like electrodes attached to her mm-hmm. head like so but like somebody did her whole hair and didn't notice that it was a wig <laughs> how did that happen i don't know john i don't know <laughs> just, the, the more you think about this film i i'm I maybe like picking at scabs that people should just be left alone but it it doesn't really hold up to, to scrutiny is what i'm saying i don't think it's supposed to no no no. i know it's just a bit of fluff, but <laughs> i don't think that's what this film is trying for i know but i still had a lot of questions about who did the hair was it paloma was paloma in on things the whole time <laughs> i don't know could be i don't know okay i've also got drink for an injury yeah i had drink for violence this film is very graphic Mm. With, I would say, special effects wise, what, what would you think about the special effects and slash CGI in this film? Perfectly adequate. I thought some were very, really good, and some were ooh, ouch. Like I thought a lot of the bug stuff was really bad, but then it also kind of made sense when it turned out it was a hallucination. It was like, okay, well, maybe yeah. it's okay that it's bad. Right. Yeah, that's that, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like it doesn't, it doesn't look like a high budget film, not at all. No, 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 no. But it gets away with it just because of that, like. 
none of that was real. It was all hallucinations. It's yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't look like awful CGI. It just didn't quite look right. But yeah, it had that slight uncanny. But also, to be fair, how many times have you thrown up bugs? How do you know what it looks like? I mean. I don't want to delve too much into my past, but sure, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to bring that up, John. Sorry, I, I, I won't bring that up again. There's a reason this film was triggering to me, Harry. <laughs> it was a bad summer. Um, okay, on a similar note, drink every time somebody vomits, shits, or pisses themselves. <laughs> there is a lot of that in this movie. Yeah. Well, like, obviously, the extended bus sequence is by far the worst. Mm. But there's also the guy who vomits at the beginning of the film, and then in, in the fundraiser thing, and then Paloma... Poor thing, just before she carks it, she pisses herself all over the floor. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of that going on in this film. Yeah. Very scatological. <laughs> um, and last one I've got here, drink whenever somebody plays an instrument. Okay, yeah, that's good. I mean, it is a classical music movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've got two more. Drink whenever the film transitions awkwardly from classical music to hip-hop. Yeah, sure. To indicate, like, villainy or something, I don't know. <laughs> and also drink for exposition. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. This is a big because it's got so many flashbacks. This is a big old exposition movie. Mm. Cool. Okay, before we get to our sequels, um, listeners, just want to let you know that we're available on Patreon.com. If you think that me and John have been pretty good on this episode so far, or you've really enjoyed a previous episode, then consider thanking us by going to Patreon.com and supporting us for as much or as little as you think we're worth. If you do, you get a few bonus features. You get a bonus show where we are reviewing films that people request at the moment. We normally go to the cinema, but obviously now we're just taking requests from anybody instead. Um, we also do a 30-second advert slot on the main show for you. You can advertise your own podcast, your own business, whatever you want to talk about. It's your time. Um, also, once a month, we have a Patreon episode. We get a Patreon to choose the episode for us for the main show. They can guest if they want to. They don't have to, though. Also, you get access to extended episodes of the main show, and you also get our exclusive Facebook group. Mm. So all that at patreon.com slash set. Indeed. Anything else you want to plug? Yeah, well, I've got your attention. I've been doing weekly quizzes um, mm-hmm. live on YouTube. I do them every Friday at 8pm British time. Uh, so far we've done Star Wars, Harry Potter, Disney, Friends, and next week. So this Friday, the 29th of May, 8pm British time. It's going to be a good one, John. You're going to enjoy this. Even I don't know what this is. RuPaul's Drag Race. Ah, we're doing a Drag Race quiz. Nice. Yeah. Very well, nice. it's the day before the final of season 12, so I thought it was ah, kind well of thematic. Timed. Okay. Excellent. Good call. Look yeah. forward to that. So, yeah, um, you can go to beyondtheboxset.com slash drag race. Uh, John will put a link in the description of this episode, and that'll take you right to the YouTube page. And, yeah, you can watch it there on Friday. Yeah, so join in for that. That should be a lot of fun. If you can't join in Friday at 8, don't worry, you can join in afterwards and, you know, just pretend you're watching it live. Yeah, you can still <laughs> submit the scores, we have a scoreboard, you know. Yeah. There's no prize, but it's a bit of fun. Right, okay, back with the episode. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. 
The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. So, sequels. What have you got for me this week then, John? Okay, well, I mean, this film really opens up a whole world of possibilities, doesn't it? So. <laughs> I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. No, I'm not. I mean, compared to like some of the recent ones we've done that have been very closed, it's mm. nice to do something that ends on such a open note. Like, what the hell are they going to do now? They've yeah. Murdered a bunch of people, lost their hands. <laughs> uh, <laughs> apparently they're very good at medicine. Tying up stumps. Yeah, they're, clearly they're Unless they've gone to the hospital and like nobody's asked them any questions whatsoever, they're very they're very good at self care. Um, but yeah, so I thought I'd do a direct sequel to kind of figure out what the hell they were going to do after after the wacky events of this original film. Mm-hmm. So, so this film is a direct sequel. It takes place pretty much immediately after the events of the original. And having taken down Anton and Paloma and the whole kind of weird rapist cellist subculture, whatever that was supposed to be, yeah. Lizzie and Charlotte take over the running of the conservatory and refashion it into a safe space for their young female music prodigies. Okay. So they've turned what was this place of brainwashing and sexual abuse and they're turning it into an empowering, positive space for young female music prodigies. So yeah. It's great. In order to get away without, you know, being tried for murder or whatever, mm. they pretend that Anton and Paloma have taken a step back and that as their two most illustrious pupils, they've stepped in to kind of run the academy in their stead. So Anton's presumably still in a dungeon somewhere with, with his no arms and legs and Paloma's <laughs> obviously dead. So let's just say it's mysterious enough that it's a closed enough world that no one's looking for him. No questions asked. Mm-hmm. So they've just taken over the conservatory. To avoid raising suspicion, they're also, whenever they're out in public, they wear prosthetic hands and gloves. Okay, yeah. So they're not advertising that they both lost their hands, because that would certainly raise a lot of questions. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. And Um, I guess they just have to make excuses as to why they don't perform anywhere? Yeah, well, they just say that they've retired from performing, and they're purely teachers now. So they never actually perform themselves. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So it's all about the kids. So again, it's all these like young kids who are like 11, 12 years old, these little music prodigies from all over the world. Mm. And their students, unsurprisingly, thrive in this new environment. You know, it's very supportive. Mm-hmm. It's very nurturing. And soon they have a whole school full of kids who are just absolutely thriving, including little Zhang Li from the original film, the little girl who was threatened, um, the mm-hmm. little Chinese yeah. girl. She becomes one of their star pupils. She's like incredibly talented and she does even better under their care than she did under... Uh, Anton and Palomas. So Mm, it's all going very well. However, running a posh conservatory in a remote mansion ain't cheap, (laughs) even with the exorbitant tuition fees. So Lizzie suggests that they should take their students out on tour, since they're all such good musicians. Okay. So they book a world tour of illustrious classical venues, so like posh theatres and opera houses and all that kind of thing, you know. Mm. And I'm thinking they, they, they kind of market themselves as this like, classical novelty act almost like where because it's all little girls it's, it's like these incredibly talented young kids who play just as well as like the highest level musicians mm, yeah and it's all female as well they're all girls so that kind of you know that helps as well 
So the tour is a success and they play all these venues around the world. They're playing to sold out crowds, getting rave reviews and lots of press coverage. So it's it's great that they've finally achieved this global stardom in the international classical world. The show is just like this kind of sensation. Wow, great. Yeah. They've reached quite the height. I wonder what, I wonder how that could all be lost or something. Well, listen on how you can find out. <laughs> so... As I say, the show's a sensation, they're doing really well. However, as the tour continues, some of the girls do begin to exhibit signs of stress. Mm-hmm. You know, cause it's, it's, it's a tough gig to be, you know, for, for little girls, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And there's, there's one girl in particular, let's call her Rosa, who is continually fluffing an important note during the final number. So right. they've got this big showpiece for the end, and after a while, every single time, without fail, Rosa is cock it up she's playing the wrong note she's hitting flats she's, whatever it is i'm not a musician whatever it is that they do wrong <laughs> she's doing it wrong sure and it's kind of ruining the end of their show for them mm-hmm. lizzie and charlotte are both incredibly frustrated by this but they are trying to remain supportive and even though they're concerned that uh, little rosa is kind of ruining the act they try their best to help her out but to all to no avail she keeps getting worse she's not getting any better mm. and it's really starting to affect the rest of the girls mm-hmm so the tour continues. One night, just before one of their biggest shows so far, Rosa is found at the foot of a tall flight of stairs, dead. Oh dear. Yes. Her death is written off as a tragic accident. She must have fallen, obviously, tripped, mm. fallen down the stairs, broken her neck. But Lizzie and Charlotte are both quite suspicious of each other because they both <laughs> know how, you know, in the past they've shown somewhat obsessive tendencies and let's mm-hmm. and murderous tendencies as well yeah yeah so they they both kind of quietly suspect that maybe the other one has given her a little push you know because she was ruining the act mm-hmm. they've both gone to extreme lengths before would they do would they do it again to protect the show uh and then i'm thinking as like the main part of the film it could turn into a bit of like a have you ever seen the film drop dead gorgeous no no, we'll do it one day. It's about uh, beauty pageants, uh, and it's a similar kind of thing where like all these like American beauty queens get kind of picked off one by one by a mysterious assassin. Right. Okay. So yeah. uh, it's kind of quite campy and fun. So I'm thinking that as the tour goes on, more girls start to end up meeting with strange quote unquote accidents. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's always the ones that aren't performing as well as the rest. So if anyone like fluffs a note one gig, they'll be dead before the next one. Yeah. So like you know, it's stuff like. Trap doors mysteriously opening or <laughs> lighting rigs collapsing on people, you know. <laughs> Classic theatrical mishaps, you know. Sure, yeah. But it only ever happens to players who are fluffing up and playing bad notes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, once that starts to become apparent, the surviving girls are under unbelievable pressure and stress. <laughs> <laughs> this is not good for their mental health in the slightest. No. And that causes them to start making even more mistakes, obviously, mm-hmm. they're, they're so under pressure that even the good ones are starting to mess up now. Yeah. So as the body count kind of rises and the tour continues, Lizzie and Charlotte by now completely mistrust one another, each one absolutely convinced that the other is killing off all their weaker players. Are they not running low on players? Well, yeah, let, let's say it's kind of a big group. and you know, okay. Maybe they've only lost two or three, you know. Okay, sure. But yeah, the, the tour's reaching its end point at this, at this point, but you know, the body count is starting to mount a little bit. And in fact, they get to their final and biggest concert of their tour. It's the grand finale. And mm. is in fact, they're playing their final concert in the Sydney Opera House. So it okay. couldn't be more illustrious, you know. Mm-hmm. It's the top of the game. Mm-hmm. And on the, on the eve of this concert, just hours before they're due to go on stage, all of the surviving musicians, all the, all the little girls, mm. receive an identical, chilling, anonymous letter. <laughs> saying, play perfectly tonight. You know, play to perfection. Achieve the perfection. Mm. Or you will die on stage. 
Ooh. And that's not a metaphor. They will literally die on stage. Okay. So, um, obviously, all the little girls are now completely terrified. Yeah. And Charlotte suggests that they should just cancel the gig. It's too dangerous. Mm. They can't put the girls through it. Mm. But Lizzie insists that if they do that, they're going to be ruined mm. because they have a full house out there tonight and the cost of refunding all these people who bought tickets would cripple the conservatory forever. Yeah. So they reluctantly agree that the show must go on. Mm-hmm. But Charlotte is now on high alert and she's searching the venue for any potential assassins. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking it'll be like really super tense. There'll be like the, the little girls like properly like sweating while they're playing this, all, these, all these like classical pieces. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I think the, it'll be funny if like the classical pieces are like really upbeat and cutesy, like flies of the bumblebee kind of stuff. But all the yeah. girls are like properly terrified and sweating and crying and just trying to get through it and not make any <laughs> mistakes. Like, yeah. Meanwhile, Charlotte's like in the wings, looking out everywhere, trying to see is anyone, is anyone doing anything suspicious? Like what's going on? And she's like pacing up and down and she can't mm. see anything. The show goes on and it gets towards the final number, which is always the trickiest part. It's the big show finale. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is where if any girl's going to make a mistake, this is it. So, you know, the tension's at peak. And just as Charlotte's looking through the crowd, she notices that Lizzie has abandoned her usual spot backstage. And she <gasps> sees her climbing up the stairs towards an abandoned balcony okay so charlotte races after her like you know the, the final number's playing mm. charlotte races up the stairs convinced now that lizzie is she must be the killer so she runs up the stairs desperately chases her arrives just in time to find lizzie furiously wrestling with a shadowy figure holding a sniper rifle mm-hmm. and then we're going to do a little original movie rewind oh, just a very God. quick one just a quick one just a quick one <laughs> And it's going to show Lizzie watching all the girls from the side of the stage, you know, and she mm. will notice a red dot on one of the girls' foreheads. Right. And she'll okay, look yeah. up to the balcony and she'll see, like, a flash, like a mm. reflection, and, like, that's where the killer is. So that's why she goes up the stairs. So she's innocent. Lizzie mm-hmm. is innocent. She's not the killer. Okay. So Charlotte runs upstairs. Lizzie's furiously wrestling with this shadowy figure with the sniper rifle. Charlotte jumps in to help. They manage to wrestle down the would-be assassin. Mm. Pull off the face mask, you know, classic end of Scooby-Doo style, you know, unmask mm-hmm. the villain. Uh, and it is Zhang Yi's mother. <laughs> you know, the little girl. Not Zhang yeah. Yi, the little girl. It's her mother. And it turns out, so this is the big plot twist at the end. We're <laughs> going to do another little rewind here, maybe. That that little girl who was in the original film, Zhang Yi, she was more indoctrinated than she let on. You know, by Anton and Paloma. Mm-hmm. And even though they're dead and Charlotte and Lizzie have taken over, Zhang Li is still... She still has the lessons and the brainwashing from Anton and Paloma in her head. Mm-hmm. And so she has to be the perfect player. And so mm. whenever any of the other girls started messing up, she started killing them. Right, okay. And then because she's got this crazed stage mother, mum as well, you know, mm. she helps her out. So between the two of them, the mother and, the mother and daughter have been responsible for all of these killings. Mm. And then, yeah, and then the, that's kind of it. And then the movie, so obviously the, the show, they managed to stop the assassination from happening. Zhang Li's mother is arrested immediately for murdering all those little girls. Mm-hmm. Zhang Li is booted out of the out of the conservatory forever. I guess mm-hmm. she's also goes to juvenile hall or something, I don't know. But she would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for these meddling one-armed ladies. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and then the credits roll with Charlotte and Lizzie triumphant. The, the final show is a triumph. All the little girls stand up for a standing ovation mm-hmm. and uh, they've survived wow. and that's the end yeah quite action packed it is yeah so you know I thought I'd have to throw in a few twists and turns yeah has that got a title it does so that is The Perfection 2 Encore Encore yeah. nice mm-hmm. 
Nice, good title. Yeah. Very good. Okay, well, mine is called The Perfect Spy. The Perfect... Isn't that a real movie? I'm not sure. It might be. It sounds very familiar, but go ahead, go ahead. So, The Perfect Spy. Shortly after the the events of the original, Charlotte and Lizzie are now living together as Mm -hmm. a couple, and they're working on their two-person cello routine. Okay. So is it like a novelty act? Kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a knock at the door. Charlotte opens it to find a police officer. Mm. Uh, the police officer asks if she's Charlotte. She replies, yes. Lizzie there too. Lizzie comes to the door. And they get arrested. For the murder of Anson and Paloma? Yes. Okay. So is this right after the original? Pardon? Is this straight after the original then, yeah? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Okay. Like, maybe it took a few days to actually find Anton and uh, Paloma. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. But yeah, neither of them resist because neither of them are ready to deny what they did. They're both proud of what they did. I mean, yeah, the jig is pretty up, really. It's not yeah. not an easy thing to... Uh, oh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Who? Yeah. Um, yeah, so they come quietly as the police officer takes them down to the station. They spend the night in the cell, and the next morning, they are met individually by some lawyers. And we see Charlotte's meeting. So they start off by asking her to confirm everything that happened, and why she did what she did. She tells them everything, including uh, drugging Lizzie as a, and getting her to chop her own hand off. Like, sure. everything. She doesn't hold back at all. Wow, okay. She's like, yep, this is me. This is what I did, and this is why I did it. <laughs> you make it that way you will. Uh, by the way, we could cast these lawyers and give them characters if you want. Uh, I just need two male actors. I mean, are they big characters in this? Well, they come back a little bit here and there. I mean, what are you envisioning? Um, Like a double act? Yeah, it could be. Something like that. Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel? You think in Garden of the Galaxy? Yeah. Also, just I like the idea of Vin Diesel as a lawyer. I just like the miscasting. The Let's go Vin Diesel and the them. Rock. Vin Diesel, the, the two most... And you never mention the fact that they're ridiculously hench. It's just like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, 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 it's never mentioned. This is the film that brings them back. The two feuding mountain people. Yeah. 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 To play lawyers in the sequel to a little watch straight to Netflix B-movie. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That, that is overshot casting, but whatever. <laughs> Well, I mean, The Rock did fighting with my family, so... True, 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 yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, one of the lawyers who, up until now, had remained quite silent, he speaks up, and he says, Charlotte, me and my colleague were not lawyers. We work for a secret service known as the BDC, mm-hmm. and we would like to recruit you. But am I not under arrest? And he says, that's up to you. You can come and work for us at the BDC, or you can stay here and rot in jail. How long does homicide get you again? Is it 25 years to life? Well, depending on how sexist your judge is, you can expect 25 years to life, or you can come with us and have an illustrious career in our hallucinogenics department. Oh, wow. Oh, because they've seen that she's so manipulative that she's got all the makings of a perfect spy. Yes. Okay, that makes and sense. She is. Yeah. I mean, the, not, the whole not having a hand thing it makes her a little bit distinctive, but other than that, sure. Yeah. I mean, the spy's job isn't always necessarily to blend in, but just true. to, you know, make people trust them. I suppose that's true. It could be like hiding in plain sight. If you already got something that makes you stand out a lot, people won't yeah. think you're trying to hide anything. Sure. Okay. She asks, uh, what about Lizzie? And they say, well, there's nothing that we can do about Lizzie, but our company can absolve your crimes. We have that legal right. Um, <laughs> no matter how severe they are deemed. Wow. Powerful company. And so Charlotte thinks for a second, and then she agrees to go with them under one condition, is that she gets to in, she gets to testify in front of a judge first. Okay. So they, get, they give her a seat at a private hearing, where she admits to everything that she did, 
including drugging Lizzie for a second time so that Lizzie would help chop up and murder Anton. Oh, so she completely exonerates her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's a nice move. Sure. Yeah, so basically Lizzie walks free and Charlotte takes the blame for literally all the murders and everything, but kind of gets a free pass because just by going to work for this company. Okay, well, cool. So, now we pick up with Charlotte in a briefing room with The Rock and Vin Diesel still there. They're across the table from her. I'm sure you're wondering why we wanted you to work for us. And she replies, well, not really. You call this the hallucinogenics department, so you're probably impressed with what I did to Lizzie to free her from Anton, and you want me to do something similar for you. The Rock says, told you she was smart. (laughs) So what exactly is it you want me to do for you? Well, we've got a series of missions for you. People who we need to do things of their own accord. See what you did to Lizzie? Is you managed to get her to act on her own behalf, and so that you weren't actually culpable for any crime. Oh yeah, because she didn't chop off her hand, she made Mm. Lizzie chop off her own hand. Okay, so that... That kind of suggestive power, yeah, very good for a spy. Yeah, so by being legally innocent like that on our missions, that means that we're technically innocent as well, so we'll be untouchable. Okay, I see what's going on here, good. She says, this sounds super shady. Mm -hmm. And Vin Diesel replies, 25 years to life, potentially a death sentence now, after your little hero story in court earlier. She says, fair enough, do carry on, please. (laughs) (laughs) And so they start getting her trained up, showing her all different types of hallucinogenic drugs, some of which she was aware of before. And she becomes quite the expert in these, and also how to do a few bits of spy stuff with a bit more detail. You know, like looking sexy, getting people's trust, stuff like that. All the important spy things, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it probably is for a, you know, fairly hot-looking woman. Oh, I see, like she's going down the femme fatale route. Okay, sure. Yeah, I mean, James Bond does it in every film. Yeah, no, sure, okay. <laughs> Clearly, it's how spies. I just like that. Like, that your idea that that was the, the primary like role of a spy was to look hot. I mean, <laughs> Am I wrong? Well, not in movie world, no. Well, there we go. Okay, fine. And I feel like this is set in movie world. Really, it's it, that certainly is. Business, it certainly is. It certainly is. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm nitpicking. So eventually, she is given a mission, and she is to track down the CEO of a major global conglomerate. Mm-hmm. She needs to drug her and get her to walk into her own office and mess up enough stuff, including business efficiency and reputation, so that the stock value of that company plummets, leaving the company nice and cheap for the BDC to purchase. Ah, okay. So she's gone into, like, corporate spying. Yeah, basically. The CEO of this company, who we're going to cast now, is a woman in her 30s to 50s. What do you think? Oh, wow, Harry, that's so specific. (laughs) Well, I, I didn't want to go specific. I wanted to go general. So, you know, we have many casting options. Okay, uh, I immediately thought of Nicole Kidman. I mean, she's over fifty, but like it works. Like an it icy, works. Nicole Kidman works. I see this woman. Very good casting for this. Yeah, mm-hmm. great. So Charlotte then meets Nicole Kidman for the first time at a, a fancy party or something. It doesn't matter. Um, Charlotte, you love a fancy party in your sequels. I've noticed this. It's a phrase you use a lot. Yeah. It's a fancy party. <laughs> I like fancy parties, or at least the yeah. idea of them. Sure. Yeah. Fair enough. You know, right now it's the only thing that we can't do. The only thing. One of many things we can't yeah. do, Harry. That's what we're all really missing. It's forget, forget the socialising and the drinking. It's it's the fancy parties, really. Yeah. I've not got my tuxedo out once in the past three months. It's been a nightmare. Um, well, Charlotte chats for up a bit at the bar and uh, manages to slip a drug into her drink. Into Nicole Kidman's drink? Yes. 
Okay. It's not quite, you know, the sort of drug that's going to knock her out and leave her super vulnerable. It's more something just to take the edge off and give Charlotte's flirting a better chance of succeeding. Okay. Everything goes to plan, and at the end of the night, Nicole Kidman invites Charlotte to come back with her. Ooh. All working out well. It's a bit late, and when Charlotte gets in the car, she gets a bit drowsy, and she actually nods off on, on the drive. Oh, dear. She wakes up tied to a chair. Oh, dear. Well, she's not proven to be a very good spy so far. You can't just have a nap in the middle of it. A- <laughs> <laughs> um, in a windowless interrogation room with a single naked light bulb. It's the classic thing. Ah, uh, okay. Sitting across the table from her is Nicole Kidman. She says, who sent you? And Charlotte says, well, what do you mean? I'm not playing this game. I can't be asked. I know you tried to drug me. You think this is the first time I've been through this? Who sent you? What was their plan? You think this is the first time a one-armed lesbian has tried to drug me at a fancy party? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody sent me. I'm just Charlotte. I met you at the party. No, you're not just Charlotte. I know who you are. I know you're not acting alone. I know what you did to Anton. We were good friends back in the day, me and Anton. Ah, I see. You knew Anton, she says. Yes. And then Charlotte says, but did you really know Anton? What do you mean? And then Charlotte explains everything that Anton did and uh, what Charlotte actually did to Anton and how much he deserved it. Mm -hmm. Um, Nicole Kidman now starts feeling a bit sympathetic for her and unties her from the chair. Oh, okay. So she's done it again. She's turned it around. Mm Mm-hmm. She is truly a mistress of manipulation. Mm. Nicole Kidman says, So how did you get in with this crowd? You've still not told me who they are. I'm not in with anybody. And she says, Yes, you are. You're 100% not independent. You think I can't tell? Please don't make me tie you up again. Fine. After killing Anton, I was rescued from the courts by the BDC. They made me work for them on this mission. I am to drug you and make you take down your business so that the stock drops and they can buy you out for cheap. Ah, of course. We go way back, mean, the Big Daddy Cup. Oh, of course. Wow. <laughs> it's been a while since they've come up. I feel like it's been at least a few months. Yeah, yeah well, I thought I'd bring them back, keep it fresh. Okay, okay. Welcome back, This, is, this isn't the first time that they've tried to take my company from me. <laughs> what company <clears throat> does what she do they have say? again? What? What company does she have again? Oh, I've, I've not actually specified. It doesn't matter. It's just, just a, a rich lady with a big company. Yeah, sure. Sure, okay. So what do they like say they do to you if you didn't comply? Charlie replies, they said they cut off my other arm. <laughs> wow, mean. <laughs> okay, well, I've got a plan, but it's only going to work if you're completely willing to help me. And so to prove that you're completely willing, I'm not going to force you to do this. And in fact, you can leave right now if you want to. Charlie immediately says, without missing a beat, I'm in. Anything to stop men controlling me. So Charlotte goes back to Big Daddy Corp. To, you know, The Rock. And Vin Diesel, the big daddies themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, she admits failure. She says that Nicole Kidman saw right through her and didn't respond to the drugs. And Charlotte told Nicole Kidman everything. So she's now aware that Big Daddy went to buy her out. Obviously, The Rock and Vin Diesel are very angry at, the, at this. She's not just failed, she's... Compromised the whole com- company, Yeah, she's, she's, yeah. Com- she's compromised the whole operation. Right, okay. So, yeah, they say that now they've got to, they've got to deal with her, as promised. So they're going to take her arm and probably send her back to prison or something. Mm-hmm. So we see from uh, both of their perspectives as they, they stand in front of her holding a machete, ask her to raise her arm, which she does. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see, still from their perspective, them swing their machetes and they cut her arm clean off just below the shoulder. Oh, yikes. And then we get a rewind. Okay. 
Great. Classic original movie style rewind. Mm-hmm. So then we see a little bit more about Charlotte coming into the building and walking into the meeting room. Um, Is that a fake arm? No. Oh. As she walks in through the office um, to the room that they're going to interrogate her or whatever, or debrief her, mm-hmm. she sees there's a water cooler outside. She has noted that it's a hot day. And she just wipes something on the tap of the, the water cooler. Essentially, right. she drugs it. Okay. And so we see the debriefing again from her perspective. And watch as she tricks each of them into hallucinating that their co-worker is her. They're so the Rock thinks Vin Diesel up. is her. Vin Diesel thinks the Rock is her. It would take a long time to cut off the Rock's arm. <laughs> Can you imagine having to saw through all that muscle? All those tendons. My God. <laughs> So when they go to cut off her arm in one clean swing of a machete, they actually cut off each other's arms, and they each lose their right arm. That is an impressive bit of manipulation. She's an impressive woman. Yeah. She leaves the room knowing that uh, very shortly the drugs uh, that they have both taken are going to knock them out, leaving them to bleed out in just a few minutes. Mm-hmm. She walks right out the front door where Nicole Kidman is waiting for her. They high-five, get in the car, and speed away with Charlotte as a free woman. Oh, very good. Is that the end? Yes, yeah, the end. Yeah, excellent. I like that. I like, that. <laughs> I like the detail of the high five. I don't think Nicole Kidman has ever given a high five on on a cinema screen in her life. But she, she doesn't seem like a high five kind of gal, but mm. sure. Yeah, that was the perfect spy. The perfect spy. No, I like it. I mean, very good. I guess technically she is the exact opposite of the perfect spy. She's a terrible spy, but uh, she got them you know, both she killed. gets it in the end. Yes. <laughs> But I, I like I like the idea that she uh, she manages to it still has the same kind of feminist slant as the original where she gets to be her own woman and uh, she isn't working for any men at the end. So excellent, yeah. very good. Okay, yeah. so should we get to listeners' submissions? Okay, well I've only got a couple. Uh, first, uh, Jacob Joel. I mean, it's not a sequel; it's just a little comment. He said, "Well, instead of cutting off her hand and cutting off Lizzie's hand, why didn't she just break it?" Yes, exactly. Just, like, get that a hammer to it extreme. and just, like, bugger it up so she can't, like, move her fingers properly or something, but she can still hold things. She could have cut... It's it's playing the cello, it's super size. She could have cut off, like, the tip of her finger. Yeah. That would have been enough. <laughs> yeah. Real overkill on the on the part of Charlotte, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Neil Webb. Um, I don't think Neil Webb actually liked it. They say, I watched this the other night and my enjoyment of it diminished the longer it went on. The twists were so clearly signposted that there was literally no surprise at all. It is an interesting, if far-fetched, idea destroyed by a terrible script. Wow. That's like the exact opposite of everything that we've said. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, kudos to Neil for seeing all those twists coming. I certainly didn't, but... No. (laughs) Is that it? Any more? Yeah. Okay. I have some as well. These are actual sequel pictures. Uh, So, Brian Everett said, Perfection 2. You've got another arm, don't you? (laughs) <laughs> Jack W. Davenport said Perfection 2 this time it's Daft Punk for some reason okay so I guess that's like rather than two cellists it's just the two robots from Daft Punk ah uh, yeah yeah sure. maybe that's how I'm interpreting that sure uh, I don't know why but sh- whatever Jeremy Kloss said Perfection 2 this time they're accordion players <laughs> <laughs> nice like that'd be really hard to play with one hand you'd have to like each of them be like standing on two sides of a like they'd have to have one one side each and just push towards each other yeah yeah <laughs> that'd be good wow Donald Gillis said perfection 2 gilding the lizzie what does that mean well gilding the lily is a famous is a saying so 
Oh, right. Okay. And there's a character called Lizzie, so gilding the Lizzie. Sure. Yeah. David Handloss said, The Perfection 2, close enough to perfect. Sorry, what was his name? David Handloss. Handloss. Oh my god, I didn't even notice how <laughs> completely inspired that is. That, that is very apt. That that joke writes itself. David Handloss, yeah. <laughs> well done, David. Uh, Duncan Flaster said, Perfection 2, The Thief of Joy. Nice. It's another saying, Perfection is the Thief of Joy. Mm-hmm. Dan Lebrecht, similar to my idea, The Perfection, World Tour. Nice. They go on the chalice tour, I guess. Dennis Fanning said, Double Perfection, with double the twists. Yeah. And over on Twitter, Martin Gardner, at MG Loves Fun, said, The obvious answer will be Imperfection. That does make sense, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, there we go. So thank you, everybody, for those sequel ideas. We ask for your listener submissions every week, a few days before we record, by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, all of which you can also leave as a five-star view if you like. It really does help us out, so please do consider that. As mentioned before, we are also available on Patreon, which is exclusively for the kind of people who would rate us more than five stars if they could. You can find all the links to those in the description below or at beyondtheboxset.com. And don't forget, of course, Drag Race Quiz this Friday. Mm-hmm. Friday 29th, that is, at uh, 8pm British time. Tune in on yep. YouTube. John will also put a link in the description. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, so tune into that on our YouTube channel. And next week, Harry, uh, it's a me pick. Yeah. What have you got then? So I'm going to continue, you said last week you're going to continue your little very loosely themed mini season for yourself of just surefire winners. Yeah. That was your plan. So I'm going to continue my little mini series for myself. Of like absolute duds? No, not absolute duds. (laughs) Well, well, maybe, we'll see. No, (laughs) I've just picking films that have been on the back burner for a long time that I've never really found the right time for. That I'm just Mm -hmm. going to put out there for no reason other than it's a film I'd like to do. So with that in mind... I am going to suggest that next week we're going to do a film called Adaptation. Adaptation? Do you know it? I'm not even sure I've heard of it. Good. Okay. I would say keep it that way. Okay. Cool. Sure. So Great. So, thank you very much, Harry. And thank you, listeners. Join us next week for Adaptation. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Jealous fucking bitch!